celebrated college football expert oprah winfrey once said you're in the transfer portal you're in the transfer portal everyone's in the transfer portal (laughs) with that we welcome you in to the three technique a college football podcast at the intersection of the x's and o's and the jimmies and the joes i'm mitch mason along with trey reeves garrett turney gentlemen uh no word on if either of you guys will be in the transfer portal i've uh, I, I thought about dipping my toe in, but I, after further consideration, I think I'm I'm back for another trip around the sun with the three tech pod. I, I hope you guys are going to join me. First off, I want to thank God because without Him, <laughs> none of this would be possible. I want to thank my family. I want to thank my wonderful co-hosts, and just thank you guys for the amazing opportunity to be here. With that being said, I'd like to announce that I'm coming back for one more year. We're gonna oh. come back for one more year. We're gonna bring it home. I'm so excited to see what we can accomplish with this team and we're going to get it done. <laughs> Please respect yeah. my decision. Yeah. 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 Some of the same, except uh, you're going to have to respect my decision. I will be transferring away, oh. uh, putting my name into the transfer portal. Uh, pl- please respect this decision. No comments at the time. And now I'm off to Twitter to send a lot of cryptic tweets about where I might go or which of my teammates should follow me. So <laughs> <laughs> good point. It's a good point. Trey, we, we have to win our own back. Of course, uh, yeah. if you enter into the transfer portal, not gone for sure, as some athletes are, are making the case very well known. So stay tuned. We'll, we'll see if we can win Garrett back. But uh, guys, yeah, obviously this episode was was requested by several Several fans, and obviously we just felt like we needed to, to get out in front of this. The transfer portal opened just a couple of days ago, and it has been absolute chaos. So today's episode will be all about the transfer portal, kind of trying to wade through a barrage of headlines. We've got some projections and, and fun predictions we want to give around where some guys might go. Uh, just talk about the state of the game as a whole. And then we also want to talk coaching carousel, as well as answering a couple of your questions that you submitted through Twitter and Instagram, which, by the way, if you're not following us on either of those platforms or YouTube, for that matter, at 3TechPod on Instagram and Twitter, 3TechPod on YouTube, you can find all of our content there. YouTube is growing like a weed right now. You guys love the video format, so uh, welcome aboard. If this is the first time that you found us in podcasting or in video format, we're glad to have you as a part of the 3Tech fam. Uh, Head on over to our social accounts. We're, We're retweeting things. We're adding our own input on a variety of things, whether it be the bowl season coming up, the college football playoff, and of course, uh, the, the topic of the day, transfer portals and carousels. Uh, but guys, with, with that in mind, Garrett, we had a, a fan submit to us through our Instagram DMs just asking, hey, can you explain what's going on? Like, what are the rules around the portals? What are these windows that I'm hearing about? And what can and can't be done? So before we jump into question of the day, would you like just to kind of set the ground rules, at least what the NCAA has lightly termed ground rules for all this chaos? 
Right. You know, this is very similar to Captain Barbosa and Pirates of the Caribbean, where we say the rules are more like guidelines. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's sort of kind of maybe going to get followed. So um, this is I found a real quick write up on the rebelwalk.com just that I think does a really good job kind of summing it up. Um, basically, for the transfer window, there's two different windows as of this year. Right. So this is the way that the new rules are worked up. Uh, there's two different windows. The first one started on Monday. It's a 45 day period. Um, and that will go through, I guess, you know, the next 45 days or however much it is now, minus Monday. Um, and, and so that'll be when any player can enter their name, talk to coaches, talk to other teams, and talk about what they need to do to transfer. Um, and then the second window that they have is a much shorter window. It comes after spring camp. It's, it'll be uh, May 1st through May 15th this year. Um, and so you can kind of do that again if maybe spring camp didn't work out your way and you want to go find a different opportunity you can do that. Uh, previously, you could only take 25 per cycle between the portal and the, your recruiting class. Now it doesn't matter. You can take as many as you need to um, to fill that 85 cap as long as you're not going over 85, both with your high school recruits and your transfers. And and this is probably where it's the most guideline um, you're not supposed to be making contact if you're a school or if you're a coach, you're not supposed to be making any contact with, uh, any of these players until the window opens and they put their name in. So you can't contact a player if they haven't put their name in, um, even if it is during the window. Um, now we'll talk about how that probably isn't getting, uh, played by very much. Uh, but there's that also grad transfers, they can put their name in at any time and transfer at any time. It's a different rule for grad transfers. So that's kind of a sum up. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I love the way that you started that with with the the joke about guidelines because as we've Solid seen, reference like, too. That's uh, that was I appreciate you. Great pull. The NCAA is so toothless in all of this. I mean, look, whether or not you say, "Hey, you can't contact these kids before the the portal opens," we know that's happening. There are kids that were uh, that were entering the portal, quote unquote, leaving their team in October and committing to a new school before anybody legally had a chance to communicate with them. Like, how on earth are they committing to play for a new school when they don't know if a scholarship is going to be available or whatever? So, you know, it's there's a lot of back and forth about position coaches obviously being able to slide into Twitter DMs and a lot of backhand deals, under-the-table handshakes. It, it, oh, it's You talk about not feeling great about some of the business that's being conducted, and that's across every level of football, every school, I don't think anybody has their hands clean in this matter. It really is when, you know, there are no rules. Everyone kind of gets to behave like it's the Wild West. And I think that's what's happening, unfortunately. Yeah. And to be clear, th this is not going to be a podcast where we go and we take a crap on certain teams for doing stuff. Th this is not where that's going to go. Right. So if you're here to hear us talk about how, oh, I can't believe that, you know, Lincoln Riley came in here and he talked to this guy and he convinced it. That's not what we're doing today, right? We're not talking about, you know, all the drama behind it. If you want that, you got to go find it somewhere else. We're just going to be talking about what's happening, you know, trying to keep you up to date, provide some analysis on it. Um, and, and, you know, that that's what we're here for. We're not here to speculate. If everybody's doing it, we're not going to throw, you know, dirt on anybody because that wouldn't be fair since we can assume because the NCAA has almost no power here that everybody's going to find a way to tweak the rules until they put something firm in place. Yeah, yeah that's and good. That's, go ahead, Trey. December 5th, I think, was circled on the calendar for a lot of people that follow this closely. 
And it certainly lived up to the hype. There were, you know, thousands of guys, quite literally thousands of athletes that put their name into the transfer portal. The first day it was available. Anytime you hear someone saying that during the season, they're doing it in an unofficial manner. Then when it becomes official, it's just open season. So it's been a lot to follow. I personally have struggled to keep up with it uh, as closely. And just I know some people that do this full time. So yeah, lots to break down, lots to consider. Well, I, I've even seen some of the beat writers for you know these recruiting services. Like a couple of them, I've seen quit um, truly yeah. just because mm-hmm. they're burned out. And I cannot. There's no off season for no. roster development following. Like that's no. a whole cottage industry of college football. There's mm-hmm. absolutely no off season of it now. There were dead periods in recruiting where they those guys could take a break, and it's just gone. And yeah, that's yeah. definitely going to be a sad casualty of a lot of this. Well, I, I think Garrett, it's well said. Uh, this is not going to be a rumor mill. Um, you know, we we actually sit on things that we we hear and have told to us from various sources. Uh, all of us are in some way or another connected to whether it be the college athletic industry or recruiting, and so um, that's just never going to be what we do here. We we report what what happens, and you know, we'll offer our our input on that. But this is never going to be somewhere where we're trying to break news or break a scoop. Um, just in case there was any any curiosity about that. So guys, let's jump into our question of the day. And it's very, very much related to everything that we've talked about so far. Question of the day, have the last several days, so as we're recording this the last three full days, have they been an absolute doomsday scenario for the portal for college football? Or is this truly going to be business as usual for the better or the worse going forward? And I think there are a couple of different ways that you can take that, but I want to turn it over to you guys and, and just hear first blush at that question. What are your thoughts? I don't know that I can fully say it's doomsday. I don't know that I can fully say it's business as usual. It's certainly not business as usual mm-hmm. because this is just a whole new world. Every year it seems like the transfer portal gets bigger and bigger. More guys throw their name in the ring. More guys are just looking for a new opportunity. A ton of kids are just looking for what they think is a better opportunity. Though At the end of the day, a lot of these guys are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids that are just trying to find the right fit for them. And I'm all for letting these athletes you know, go where they think is going to make them happy. I do think we need some more parameters around it. I think having it Wild Wild West where there's tampering and allegations of tampering and just you know, no regulation, no oversight of is definitely bad for the future of the sport, but at the end of the day, I really hope that the intended goal of this, which is, you know, make sure that athletes are happy and are in a place where they're not feeling trapped or stuck. I hope that that can continue to be the driving force behind this. We all know that NIL is going to factor into this more and more. We know that college football is a cutthroat world. There's roster limitations. There's a lot of money changing hands and, at the end of the day, it is sort of a, it, not even sort of, it's a business, right? It's a business and business decisions have to be made. But what I hope for is that, you know, for all the high profile guys that we see, and we're going to name a lot of them coming up really soon as we talk about kind of break down some of the surprising decisions for all those high profile ones, you're like, wow, why would they transfer? Look at that. There's probably four or five, maybe even 10 for every one high profile one, that's just a kid trying to make a good decision for himself. He wants more playing time. He wants to be closer to home. He has family issues that he needs to take care of. He might have a better NIL opportunity somewhere else. So 
at the end of the day, I think that's what this is more about on the underbelly. Now we're going to focus on the top high profile guys. We're going to focus on the guys that can make an immediate impact because they were already starters or high profile guys at their previous school. But the spirit of this rule is to help kids make sure that they're happy. And, you know, I think we're also seeing a huge uptick in it because of that COVID numbers crunch. All the guys that got an extra year because of COVID, Mm -hmm. there's not enough roster spots for all those guys and all the guys that want to come in from high school. So we're seeing this just crazy mad dash for not a lot of spots. There's too many players and not enough spots. And I honestly don't know how long we're going to see the effects of that. How long is that going to be just a lingering effect? Because we're seeing some guys get a sixth or seventh year of eligibility when you factor in this COVID year. And that's definitely something that's factoring in this as well. But no idea how long that's going to last. Every sport is seeing this to some degree with that COVID extra year of eligibility. But we're really, really focusing. I think a lot of the alarmism is focusing on these higher profile guys. Yeah. And, you know, I keep going back and forth on this, whether or not I think what's happening now is a good thing. You know, in in the short run, I think what this currently is, is going to be a transition. I don't think what we have right now is sustainable. And I think there will come a day where this hits a boiling point where either the the student athletes, they realize, you know what, you know, this is absurd. I shouldn't put my name in the transfer portal and it'll become almost a bad idea. And it'll it'll get a lot of stigma around it because, you know, it's it's a place where you go to no longer place, you know, sports at all. And, you know, I think we could see that. On one side, though, you know, you you have a lot of student athletes who I think, to simplify it even more, they just want to play the game, mm-hmm. right? They just they want to go play the game. They went to a, a college or they were told they're going to be a big part of the game plan. And they've been sitting second or third string for a long time, not able to play, right? And they, they, they were told that they want to do that. It may not have anything to do with, you know, draft stock, winning a championship, you know, NIL deals, anything like that. It might just come down to they want to play. Right. They love playing the game and they want to do it. So, you know, I think that's helpful. I also think this is really good for some of those top players who, you know, they're just maybe a little bit more talented than the situation that they're in and they want an opportunity to compete at the highest level. Right. I'm thinking about, you know, we have several players even in this top group. uh, I'm looking at it right now that, you know, that they probably should have more opportunities than they currently do. I mean, I'm looking at guys like Devin Leary and Hudson Carr. Devin Leary could come back and play, I think, but. Hudson Card got passed up at Texas. He's a very talented quarterback, and he deserves to play somewhere. That's going to say, you know what? We don't recruit quarterbacks at as high a clip as the University of Texas does. So and whatever program gets him is going to be thrilled to happen, and he's going to be a starter at that program. Oh, absolutely! And he'll play really well, and he'll give them a chance to compete probably from day one. But even you know, going down to guys like Luke Altmaier, right? Who you know they they got passed over again, and. Those guys, they they can play well. They can play well for teams and give them chances to win. Uh, on the flip side, though, I think the problem is it kind of hurts certain programs' abilities to grow kind of organically. You know, if, if you're not a program who has a big NIL program or you know has a, a flashy staff that they put together or you know has a couple really good years of being competitive, it's probably more likely that your talented athletes leave. You know it's going to be really hard to keep special players from transferring at least in the short term, you know, and if we think about taking this back a ways, this means that guys like Mike Vick would have gone and transferred to like Ohio state and Johnny Manziel would have transferred to Bama and Lamar Jackson would have transferred to Clemson just because those are the places where they could have the best opportunities to win championships. 
and not get drowned in the fact that, yeah, you're a, you're a star player. Everyone's watching you, but the team around you isn't there, right? The team around you isn't where you are. A lot of those decisions would have gotten made probably. And I don't think that would have been better for college football. I kind of like having the teams that come out of nowhere because, you know, you got one guy playing hero ball, you know? And so I, I don't think that this necessarily can go on for very long. I think this is going to have to change at some point. Otherwise, you're just going to get same old, same old at the top. And at some point, I think you're going to have to see this break where conferences get involved or things like that, and, and they stop this from becoming a, a long-term problem. But how people navigate this the next couple of years, I think, is going to mean a lot for the landscape going forward. So a, a couple of key points to note here. Over 2,500 kids are currently in the portal. Now, that includes all levels and walk-ons, so don't think that's all Clemson and Alabama and Ole Miss. You know, it's it's across all levels of, of college football. But now over 1,000 of them are D1. 1,000-plus out of 13,000 players are in the portal when it comes to Division One big boy football, what we think of when we watch college football on Saturdays. Uh, currently, uh, team leaders with guys in the portal, Virginia Tech, believe has 13 kids now in the portal Clemson Texas A&M Ole Miss now Florida and Alabama in fact uh, we're recording this on December 7th this morning Florida had six guys enter the portal at the exact same time which uh you know right at, right after DJ Lagway one of the top quarterbacks for the 2024 class committed said Florida's building something special I just think it's kind of funny that on the same day he says that they have just a mass exodus um, who knows what Billy Napier's program will look like in a couple of years time. Alabama, shockingly, I think two days ago had a very similar situation where a number of guys all entered into the portal at the same time. In fact, out of 15 scholarship linemen, as of recording this, seven of them are in the portal right now. It's looking like Alabama may be very, very thin when it comes to playing that sugar bowl against Kansas state. Uh, you know, notable names, again, this is not going to become a laundry list of guys that are in the portal, but notable names, specifically when it comes to quarterbacks that are in the portal. We talked about the preseason and, and the beginning of the season, how the ACC was so strong from a quarterback perspective, like all of them are either in the portal or considering it. So you've got guys like DJ Uyunglele, Keaton Slovis, Devin Leary out of the ACC, other quarterbacks, Hudson Card, Garrett, as you mentioned, Drew Pine at Notre Dame is in the portal. Cade McNamara has already committed to Iowa from Michigan after losing that job to J.J. McCarthy. Graham Mertz is transferring out of Wisconsin. And we're still waiting to see if Drake May enters the portal. He may be the hottest quarterback name in the country if he decides to portal. Uh, you know, Trent, you and I were talking about this before we hit record. You had thought he was going back to UNC. I had seen stuff this morning that said he's not in it, but he's seriously considering it. Now Phil Longo has gone to Wisconsin, so his offensive coordinator's gone. There's a lot of speculation about how long Mac Brown will be the head coach there. I mean, it is chaos around college football. Uh, I want to ask you guys, like, is there one position that you think the portal lends itself more to as far as being plug-and-play, as far as being, all right, if I'm this position, I'm more likely to go into the portal and find a spot easier than maybe some of the others? I think it is quarterback for me. And I think it's easy to say that because they're definitely the most high profile transfers. They're always going to have the most attention centered around them. 
but it's also easier for coaches to look at a quarterback and look at what they put on film and probably decide, does that fit my system or not? And with all the wide range of offensive systems that we have in college football, the the odds that you're going to land somewhere that does fit your skill set and does want to do what's going to highlight your skill set is uh, more so than another school, or I think a lot higher with the quarterback position. It's not as easy to see that. I think we see some star defensive players. We see some star linemen that enter the transfer portal and they end up at a spot that doesn't run a system that showcases their talent as much. And whether that's film evaluation or just not really being on the same page with that decision, um, it's maybe a little bit harder to see that with those positions. But I think the coaches are so in tuned and they know it's important to their own jobs to find the right quarterback that it's easier for them to comb through the options and see, okay, that's my guy. That's who's going to make a difference in my system. And I can coach that guy to be successful. Yeah, when it comes to plug and play, I think offensive line is probably the place where it's easiest to find guys just because, you know, it it seems like you can never have enough of them. You can never have enough depth. Um, And and obviously you need five of them on the field at the same time. So, you know, you're not just going to go find one guy. Typically, if you're like, oh, I'm short a tackle, you can go take two or three. Right. And you can go find a couple extra scholarships for those guys, especially since they're typically going to get nicked up a little bit quicker than other teams or other positions rather. And so, you know, I think just because of some of the versatility and, you know, I think sometimes you really do get these offensive linemen who really showcase their talents and, you know, get a chance to go find somewhere else for a better offensive line where maybe they can perform better as a unit and take their game up a level because, you know, obviously as, as an individual on the offensive line, it's hard sometimes to, to showcase what you're really capable of if the rest of the unit is letting you down. Whereas, you know, if you're maybe one of these, you know, Bama guys that's leaving right now, right? You might be really talented and you think, hey, I can go find myself a spot in the Big Ten or I can go find myself a spot in the Big 12. And they're going to take me and I can I can plug in right away and be a starting guard and I can push some people around and I, I, I can, you know, kind of make a name for myself as a part of a a unit where I have a better opportunity, right? So I think that's probably the easiest plug and play is going to be on the O-line. The only problem with that, though, is they definitely have the lowest numbers of, yeah, you know, sure actual guys that you would want in the portal. Except for this year. It seems like there's a lot more O-line talent in the portal this year so no. far than there has been. Well, all, all of Alabama. All, yeah, it's all, all coming Alabama. from the <laughs> Just um, raising their hand. Yeah, the Brockemeyers, yeah. Tommy Brockemeyer, who I think was the top offensive lineman was it last year, two years ago? It was very emphatic that he he was all in with Alabama, committed to them over Texas, where his dad is a legend. Uh, and, you know, peacing out immediately. I do wonder about Alabama. And I tweeted this out a couple nights ago. I'm certainly not implying that there's any sort of culture issue at Alabama. But, you know, as much as the national media wants to dog programs like Texas A&M, you know, insert program name here, Oregon, Miami. Why are we not talking about issues at, at Alabama? I mean, everyone, everyone wants to put Alabama on this pedestal. And I, I think, first of all, the culture issues and the culture rumors at these programs are, are just made up. There's, I just don't feel like they have any sort of substance to them. But if you are going to say that, if you are going to speculate, then let's at least be consistent, right? Like nobody has thrown around the rumor that Alabama is suddenly, oh my gosh, they're on thin ice. Oh, guys aren't bought in. Guys are soft. 
I just don't hear that as a national narrative. And yet Alabama is is one of the teams that's leading the numbers as far as transfers out. Well, and all the the speculation on culture problems, it's all going to come from information you get from guys transferring out. Yeah. Or it's just going to be, you know, quote insiders who, you know, maybe they heard a thing from a guy and, you know, someone's a little bit fed up. And so they're going to do that. But like those guys are going to be more likely to say that they didn't like what was going on back there anyways. They'll be polite on their, you know, I'm entering the transfer portal message, but you know, I kind of teased it off the front end with the whole go tweet cryptically. But like most of those guys don't want to just say, no, yeah, culture was great. Team was great. Everything was awesome. I just wasn't good enough to get on the field. That's probably not what most of these guys want to say. What these guys want to say is, well, you know, if it wasn't for this other guy who coach just liked better, or if it wasn't for, you know, the fact that I hurt my knee that one practice. And so I had to sit out. So he took my spot. I mean, that's what most of these guys are going to come up with for why they couldn't cut it at the last spot. And like, that's fine. Go find your opportunities if you need them, but there's no need to trash people on the way out. And so that's going to be where most of your culture issue problems come out. I I don't see the issue here. Uh, Obviously with that many people leaving Alabama, a lot of times it's just going to come down to, Hey, there's loads of talent all around you. And you know, if you're not, you know, consistently part of their process, it's going to be hard. Now, are there maybe some questions this year as opposed to previous years? Yeah. But I think it's just a, a, it's more a product of what's happening right now and the fact that there's more people across college football entering the portal than we've ever seen before. It's not just at Alabama or just to like you mentioned A&M or like Virginia Tech or any of those. It's across the board. Everyone's trying to go find a better opportunity now. So I, it's all overblown and, you know, we really shouldn't speculate at it at all. But as long as there's people that need clicks, they're going to continue to do it. So. Yeah, yeah, I think I, was, I think I think that's a good point. Go ahead, Trey. Yeah, I was just gonna say it, it, I could start a whole rant about the guys that are fishing for clicks, but we got to remember we're dealing with a different generation of athlete too. These isn't the generation of you know Peyton Manning. This isn't the generation of Johnny Manziel. This isn't the generation that we even were talking about four or five years ago. Um, it's a brand new generation of athletes, and I know the coaches that I've talked to are really struggling and some high profile college coaches like Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher and all kinds of guys have been very open about this just being a different generation of kids that prioritizes different things. And Mm -hmm. we're all that all us old crusty people are going to have to adjust our expectations to what these kids actually want, what they actually value. And that goes from the recruiting coordinators to the actual coaches, to the fans themselves. It's going to be different. And Um, If you want to follow a sport that's led by 18 to 22 year olds, you need to be willing to deal with what comes with that. And as we get uh, just more and more of this like younger, newer generation of athlete, it's going to be a group that prioritizes different things than their predecessors did. And we're just all going to have to adjust our expectations to that. Listen to us, mid-20s, prime of life, and yet just sounding like... There's a generational gap, though. Like, there's a there real... Is. I could go yeah. on a rant about no, this. you're I'm right. Not, I'll spare everybody. It's a college <laughs> football podcast. We're not going to get into sociology. But, like, there's a real generation gap, even with guys that are entered the league two or three years ago. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely yeah, Trey, right. we can talk uh, sociology with that Upper Peninsula issue. Yes. On, a, on a separate podcast. Sometime. Yes. The Upper Peninsula is fake. We've all just been suckered into it. <laughs> on on that note, uh, I, I want to know, <laughs> are there, are, we've talked about positions, right? And, and, and schools that are seeing maybe a little bit more of an exodus than others for a variety of issues. Are there certain teams that are going to benefit 
naturally from this process? Like when you look across the landscape, what are some of those hot spots where either we're seeing transfers be be more willing to land or uh, we kind of lean towards them being destinations? So three that I wrote down, Arizona State with Kenny Dillingham taking over, Oregon's offensive coordinator, he's going back home. Colorado, obviously, uh, whether you think they're going to, to actually win or not with Dion going to Boulder. Uh, and, you know, then even group of five schools like SMU, like Tulane, that have a lot of smoke. SMU's already got Charles Woods, who is a former four-star cornerback at West Virginia. He's from the Dallas area. He's already shut it down. He, he entered the portal on the 5th. I think the next day committed to SMU. I know the Mustangs have a lot of interest from from some national recruiting um, or national recruits, I should say, California, Colorado, New Mexico, et cetera. What are, what are some schools that you guys kind of anticipate being maybe at the top of the list for transfers looking for a new home? It's easy to say that it's just going to be the big dogs like Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, because, but I mean, honestly, even if they get some of these higher profile transfers like they did the last cycle, they have the talented guys there anyways. It's not really necessarily changing much. I think the programs that you're going to see really benefit from this is, I mean, Ole Miss certainly has branded themselves as transfer you, and they've really embraced that they might not compete with Alabama, um, some of the other schools in the SEC in high school recruiting, but they are going to be a transfer destination for elite transfer prospects. Um, I'm also really interested to see if Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF see a bump this year as they're moving into the Big 12. I didn't lump BYU in there because obviously BYU has different admission standards, and I honestly don't know what their transfer process looks like. But um, those three especially, as they're making the jump from the G5 to the Big 12, could see a really nice bump this year. Yeah, I think you're going to get two types of teams that really benefit from this. And there's probably a decent sized group of these teams, but I just kind of added a couple of them. So the first team I think that benefits the most from this is going to be the teams that had immediate success this year that surprised people, right? Big risers, you know, maybe jumped out, shouldn't have done what they did. Teams like TCU, right? Can TCU add some playmakers after just proving, hey, Sonny Dykes has something going on in Fort Worth, right? What about FSU, right? FSU kind of resurging a little bit from what their previous couple of years have been showing, hey, we can kind of be here to stay. And now that there's teams like Clemson or UNC that, you know, they had more success this year, but maybe don't look as convincing. What about us, right? What about teams like Utah or Michigan who they claim conference championships, right? And they say, hey, I just won this. And like, are you going to pretend like that didn't happen? They, they Michigan, for all things being said, back-to-back playoff appearances and not the roster you'd think that they would have from just an overall standpoint from the way that they rank on a total composite. So that's kind of the first team I think that benefits. The second team I think that benefits is any team that has sort of a, a flashy younger quarterback who these players think they can be the guy to come in and take that team to, to kind of the next level, right? So I'm thinking teams like maybe A&M, Clemson, K-State, who have all had quarterbacks who have shown some flashes now with guys like Wigman and, you know, obviously Will Howard at K-State. You know, I'm thinking about them and saying wide receivers are probably going to want to play for them, right, if they're showing that they can sling it around the field. You're probably going to see offensive linemen who want to block for guys who you can see like, oh, they can win. Defenses are going to want to play if, you know, the other offense is going to be able to do well. 
they want to be able to play on the other side of the ball and say, yeah, like we're, we're going to be able to, to succeed because they're going to give us some cushion. So I think those are kind of the two teams that you're going to see, or the two types of teams, rather, I think you're going to see kind of succeed. So I'm, I'm really keying in, I think, especially out of that group, teams like Michigan, Utah, and then teams like A&M and Kansas State to be able to capitalize on their opportunities, given the kinds of scenarios that they have. I'm so at literally as we're talking, Arizona State has just landed a couple of transfers from Cal. So I feel I feel pretty vindicated in in that. I'm really curious to see if there are schools that kind of like Ole Miss that try and brand themselves as, as transfer destinations. Ole Miss also ironically has one of the highest numbers of transfers out from the SIP. So evidently that's a little bit of a revolving door. Um, but that's the game you got to play though, right? Like exactly. you, if these are kids that weren't happy in their first destination, you got to run the risk that they might not be happy at their second either. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was thinking about uh, earlier today. Actually, as I was doing some grocery shopping, I was like, you know what? It's, it's like, um, well, there's, there are all kinds of analogies that maybe I Where are we going with this? On, on this podcast. Yeah, not <laughs> not going to go there. You, you know what I'm talking about. You know where I'm going, not going to go there, but anyway, yeah, you do have to question if they're if they're willing to to kind of give their word and then break that commitment once. Like, what's uh, what's to stop them from from doing it again? Um, so the next question with all these kids in in the portal is this format? We've talked about it a little bit, but is this format going to be sustainable not only for the sport but just on a team by team basis? So you look around at, at projections, and, and again, all, most of this is just spitballing some hypothesis because we don't have the data to necessarily support it. But you can look around and see projections as high as 65% of kids that go into the portal might not find a fit at a new school, whether that be not finding a role as on, on the field, not getting another scholarship. A lot of these kids are are truly going to fall victim to the grass is greener mentality where they don't realize what they have, the grind that they just might have to to push a little bit farther on to get playing time, to get that starting spot. And a lot of them don't really realize they're resetting the clock a lot of times on earning that playing time and earning that their way up the 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 ladder that is the depth chart. Um, you know, you've got a guy like JT Daniels, who I don't think we've really talked about yet, is transferring to his fourth school after leaving West Virginia. And I tell you what, a funny, funny interaction that I had in our Twitter thread. I I think I had tweeted or responded to something about West Virginia and Oregon State fans and how there was a rumor going around that he he uh, demanded like $400,000 worth of, yeah, of properties up in Corvallis. And all these Oregon State fans immediately jumped in like, yes, absolutely. That's true. He wanted to hold his dad was asking for a house. And then you see, you see why Oregon State was absolutely smart not to give him that. He doesn't perform at West Virginia. He gets benched, and now he's transferring out again. And it's like, okay, dude, like you know, give give him. So we're officially starting the JT Daniels Memorial Trophy for the most active portal user on a year in year out basis. Also, shout out to Nick Starkle, who uh, JT Daniels is looking to match. Now, Starkle did it before the true portal era before NIL was legal, he truly was just looking to start at a place. But gosh, I mean, JT Daniels just, ugh, it, he comes off as very unlikable and very untrustworthy, I think, this time around. Yeah, and I, this is certainly not what the portal is trying to no. um, 
create, it's not trying to facilitate a system where we get these journeymen. We're not trying to have the um, Brock Osweilers or the um, Patrick Fitzgeralds of the college football world just kind of go from stop to stop and figure out like, oh, I guess I can maybe get some playing time here. That's not what we're trying to do with the transfer portal, and that wasn't the intent, but it's certainly being used in that way by some. Now, again, I think that those high-profile cases are certainly more the exception than the rule, and they're kind of getting used to kind of paint all the kids that go into the transfer portal in sort of a more negative light. And I don't think that that's necessarily fair to most of the kids that are entering their names into the portal. But, you know... Regards to the 65% number, I have seen some other estimates that have kind of pushed back against that. I think might have been Stu Mandel that tweeted. If I'm misattributing that, I'm totally sorry. But one of the big college football writers tweeted about how last year, 85% of the football players did find a home. Um, Mm -hmm. Whether or not they got the starting job that they might have been promised, that's a whole other issue and we'll never know. But the portal also works two ways. So I hope it's not the Wild West forever. We do have to find some way to curtail that multiple transfer rule, though, um, because we don't want those journeymen. Also, just wanted to do some quick research on this because I was curious. Um, If our numbers are accurate so far, you said we've got about 1,000 plus um, out of about 13,000 D1 players. So that works out to about 7% so far of Division I football players that have entered the transfer portal. I just did some quick research while we were talking about it. I don't know how accurate these numbers are, but what I've seen is about 10% of college students just in general transfer every year. So, wow. again, we're talking about 18 to 22-year-olds here. And I don't know about you guys, I didn't make the most great lasting decisions when I was 18. So um, <laughs> I'm all about giving them some grace and just realizing that the high-profile stories aren't going to be the story for everybody. Yeah, I was going to say, Trey, you saw my dorm room when I was 18. That was a poor decision. It was, was yes. extremely poor yes, decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we made a couple of poor decisions in college, too. Um, but no, it's you're totally right. These are college kids. They're, you know, they're, they're not going to always understand what's best for them. And, and ultimately, this is going to fix itself over the next couple of years, right? There will be a time period now where maybe two, three years where I think transfers are going to get worse and worse. I think you could see probably a bubble of transfers where, you know, you start seeing things like a third of a roster leaving every offseason, depending on maybe how it how it all works out. I think it could get up to those numbers just because, you know, guys are going to want playing time. That's it. You can't play all of your roster. There's probably going to be about a third of the guys who don't see a lot of playing time every year. Um, and so I think whichever teams can kind of navigate this the best, I think, stand to benefit the most coming out the other side. Um, there's just too much invested in college football to watch the whole thing crumble like this, right? This is going to go off to crumbling standpoints if we don't see this get fixed, right? There's no way that you could possibly watch whole teams leave and and then just never find a place to be, right? Where there's bits and pieces getting picked out and all these very talented athletes just don't play college football anymore because they couldn't find a place on their first stop in the transfer portal. I I just don't see that happening long-term, in the short term, absolutely. There'll be a lot of guys that get passed over, stop playing. It, it just probably means that the new landscape is going to look way more different than it did even pre-NIL, pre-Portal. I think we're even in for some more big changes. Um, probably what you're going to have to see is conferences start getting involved to dish out some cash for you know massive NIL collectives, and you'd have something along the lines of like 
the Big Ten collective, the SEC collective, to where they can split some of those TV revenues up and keep some of the more mid-level programs afloat and give those guys a little bit more incentive to stay. Um, probably you're going to need to see some more schools just step up and organize their donors and say, hey, look, if y'all want to keep watching football, uh, it's not going to be a good product here unless y'all step up and start giving to a collective and getting it together, which I think is ultimately a good thing because it'll make people invest in the sport if they want it to be good, right? No more super old stadiums, no more super old facilities, None of that anymore. You're not going to be able to get away with that in this new era of college football. At the end of the day, I think you're just going to get what you pay for. There's going to be some programs that don't want to invest, and they're not going to get the players. They're not going to get anything close to a competitive team. And at some point, the programs that do want to invest, you're going to see them actually see a payoff. Teams like, in the short term, what I'm thinking of are teams like Kansas and Colorado. Right? They've invested in their futures. Right? Kansas just extended Lance Leipold to a massive contract to keep him there and keep him happy. That's a great decision for them. We, we talked about that during the season. If you find a coach at Kansas who's going to be passionate and get the most out of your players, you sign him to a long-term deal. You let him run that program. And, and they're going to start turning some of those facilities over as well. Colorado, same situation. They're investing with Prime. They said they don't even necessarily have the money for him, which is a whole separate thing that I have ideas and opinions about. Yeah. Um, I don't, even if it's true, why do you say it publicly? Anyways, um, <laughs> but I just, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't see how that's a bad thing for Colorado though, right? To, to be able to say in the short term, I want a massive influx of talented players. I want an influx of coaches that are going to come. I mean, he's made some splash hires too. So I think if you're willing to invest in your program, you're going to see it pay off for you. At the end of the day, what we currently have isn't going to you know, last forever, but something will come out of this as the landscape shifts and kind of finds the right balance. Do we think, when do we think that balance can reasonably be expected to be found? Like, is this, is this a two, three year thing down the line? Is this a five to 10 year project will we ever find a balance like what how much data do you think that this ecosystem has to compile before we truly start to get used to it if that makes I, sense. I truly think it's only going to take a couple of years because what will happen is this you'll have players enter the portal and they're all going to be you know still friends with their teammates back at the old spot and a bunch of those guys aren't going to find good homes or they're going to find like some lower level or maybe a d2 or something like that where they find a spot and technically they're playing, but they're not happy with it. And they're going to talk to their guys back there and they're going to say, hey, does coach still have a scholarship? Is there some way to come back next year or something like that? And maybe for some of them there is, but probably not for most of them. And what will end up happening is that's going to that's gonna send silent messages to their teammates. And their teammates are going to say, oh, I don't know, you remember what happened to that guy? And then they're going to talk about it. And then the word's going to go around that maybe it's not always in your best interest to portal. Maybe it's in your best interest to maybe go one more year and try to push for a spot and then maybe go next year. Right. And I think that's just going to cause a little bit of hesitation. In addition to that, I do think schools are going to overreact to this when, when they see their transfer numbers going out. I mean, how do you think the donors at Alabama are feeling right now watching half their offensive line walk out the door? They're probably freaking out a little bit saying, hold on a second. What, what's happening? Do I need to do something? Do I need to give more money for our collective? Do I need to make sure these guys have deals? 
and that will start to bring more money in, which I think will fix it. So I think we're still a couple years away for this to kind of naturally happen. The worst case, in my opinion, is the NCAA getting involved and trying to push a bunch of rules and punish programs and and say, well, you didn't do this the way that we said, so we're going to give you a bull ban or take a bunch of scholarships. I think that's the wrong decision. I think the best thing is just kind of letting itself work out, letting NIL respond, letting you know, the players respond. And at, at the end of the day, they'll make the right decisions. I just think because it's so new, nobody knows what the right decision is. You're kind of jumping out into the void. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know, I know the popular narrative is that Transfer Portal and NIL are going to ruin college football as we know it. I think that takes the whole history of the sport and just throws it out the window because college football as a sport has done exceptionally well to an ever-changing ecosystem that it creates for itself. Like we used to not have scholarship limits. You could take as many players as you wanted. You could have a 200 man roster if you Mm -hmm. wanted. We used to not allow freshmen to play on the varsity level at all. We used to not have, uh, we used to really regulate who could be on TV and who couldn't be on TV. So there's just a lot of changes that the sport has gone through in the last 20, 30, 50, hundred years. It's come out just fine. Uh, We all want to consume it. We all want to be a part of it. Is it going to look different? Yeah, but eventually, as time passes, we're going to get used to it. That's that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, all right, so I know we want to get to the the coaching carousel, both head coaches and also some of the prime coordinators. There was a subscriber that asked uh, where we thought some of these offensive uh, coordinators would go, defensive coordinators as well. First, though, I want to play just a little game before we get there. A lot of former five stars in the portal right now, some big names looking for new homes. Specifically, I wrote down guys like Tony Grimes, who's been a day one starter since he was 17 as a cornerback at North Carolina. DJ Uyunglele, obviously, famously losing his job at at Clemson, uh, will be transferring out. You've got five-star linebacker Justin Flo, who physically on the field, uh, what was that Baylor defensive end's name um, who went viral for just looking at Jack Overton? Was that his last name? I don't, I don't remember who I that was. Remember. It doesn't sound right. But anyway, Justin Flo, just a massive human being. Uh, he's in the portal. Drake May. Now, question mark around this. Sean Oakman, sorry. Sean <laughs> Oakman, that's that's <laughs> right. Yep. Great pull. Uh, Drake May, we don't really know if he's in the portal or not. Like Trey and I were saying, we kind of heard conflicting information. So maybe we'll we'll pass on him. JT Daniels, of course. Uh, we got we to gotta play the game. Where he's, Where is he going for his next stop? You guys look down that list. Is there a guy that kind of jumps out to you where you look at another college football program and you go, "Mm, yeah, this guy really fits here. Like for me, Tony Grimes, he's got a lot of, a lot of interest. I had a lot of offers coming out of high school. I've read a lot that, you know, Texas A&M is, is high on his board. Ohio state also seems to be a great fit for a guy like Grimes where goodness, that secondary could use a talent infusion yesterday. Yeah, I think Tony Grimes, I think, is almost destined to go to A&M, I think, at this point. Um, I, I think just based on his final two, I think, were U, uh, UNC and A&M coming out of high school. And so I, I think based on need, both in the Aggie program and, you know, just kind of the mutual interest there coming out, I, I would bet on his ability to end up at A&M. For DJU, I kind of speculated this a little bit on Twitter the other day. I think Arizona State's actually a great landing spot for him. It's a little bit closer to home. You know, he kind of gets the ability to go and, and get some of the pressure off of him. I think that's his main issue is, you know, we've seen the ability. He tore up Wake Forest, 
But it seems like, man, when the pressure hits him and when he gets in his head, it messes with his mechanics and he just he can't play well. So, you know, let's go to a team where you can kind of reset your expectations, say, you know what, I'm not going to I'm not going to you know look for being that high level championship guy. I just want to be a good quarterback and, and play really well in this system. I think that makes a lot of sense for him. And if I have to guess on JT Daniels, I'm actually going to guess that JT Daniels ends up at Wisconsin. I think that makes a lot of sense. They lose Graham Mertz, you know, that they're needing a new quarterback. They got this whole new offensive system with uh, Fickle and Longo. So I think, you know, Daniels, a little bit of experience there, maybe not loads and loads of, you know, elite talent, but certainly lots of arm talent there that they can work with and kind of, you know, bring in a steady, a steady presence for day one. Yeah. I don't know that JT Daniels makes it to the power five, man. I I think he's had plenty of opportunities and I think coaches are going to look at that and say, just with the plethora of options that they have in the portal this year, that he's not going to be at the top of their list. So if he makes it to the power five, I think it's going to be at a school like Northwestern, um, like less than uh, Wisconsin. I I actually think he goes somewhere along the lines of like, gosh, this is going to sound so insulting to whoever I pick, but probably like a lower, like a Sunbelt or a conference USA team. No, no, say say a team, say a team. (laughs) I don't know, like Middle Tennessee. I don't know, like just that's take right, your, Middle Tennessee. You're trash. Take your pick of a lower level program, or maybe I, JT's from the West Coast, I believe. So maybe closer back home, like a San Diego State or something like that. But yeah, I just don't think that he gets another Power Five opportunity. Um, for the other guys, I think DJU is definitely going back to the West Coast. Um, Arizona State seems like a really good pick. I could see. Um, one of the California Pac-12 schools as well, maybe UCLA with DTR uh, moving out. Um, He kind of fits the similar mold to DTR. Um, Yeah, uh, Drake May is going to be fascinating to follow. I think if he ultimately is in the portal, um, I've seen a lot of people linking him to Bama if he does enter the portal. But Bama, you know, Jalen Milrow, I don't think is the quarterback of the future, but they have two top 10 guys committed in 2022 or 2023. So, yeah. Not really well, thinking a, that Bama is going to be the play for him, but I could be wrong. He's a Bama legacy uh, and that's was originally yeah. originally committed to Alabama before flipping to UNC. I think that's why there's a lot of speculation. Yeah, Bama does not have a shortage of, of quarterbacks, but if anything uh, that we're learning from the portal, you can always use one more because you never know when you, that guy is, is going to walk out the door, right? Um, you know, so... I kind of agree with DJU somewhere West Coast, somewhere I've I've seen even Virginia floated around because Tony Elliott was his offensive coordinator. Now yeah. it's not like he it's not like he did great under Tony Elliott, but he liked him, is familiar with him. I think he needs to go back home um, and and run run more of a pro style offense. I don't know. I, I really don't know where DJU is a fit. He's a great athlete, but goodness, he lost. He lost me as far as being QB1 this year at Clemson. Now, they don't have the receiver talent that that Clemson has had in the past, but still, like you, you've got to be more than a 98 yards and two picks kind of guy. Like at, at Clemson, behind that offensive line, move the chains, put points on the board. I don't, I don't care if you're throwing to five stars or not. Um, I think for Tony Grimes, personally, I'll say Ohio State just because yeah. uh, I, I've, I've seen a lot of smoke there and it, it makes a lot of sense. A&M makes a lot of sense too, but um, Ohio State is is closer seemingly to winning a national championship. That seems like 
uh, a spot where they could go, and especially with that Jim Knowles defense, where they truly do seem like a couple cornerbacks away from actually being elite. Um, Justin Flo, I think he's going to go to Miami. I think he's going to follow Cristobal. And listen, nothing against the guy. I think he's a very talented linebacker, but can't stay healthy, dude. And and for me, if you're an absolute liability in the training room, I've got to step back and go, okay, I know you're a five-star. I know physically you're a stud, but man, I need you 11 games out of the year. I need you in the conference run when we've got five games in a row to win a, a division title, right? And I don't know that you can count on Justin Flo. Same with JT Daniels, Trey. I, I think for me, if I'm a power five, power five program, I want nothing to do with him. Yeah, no, uh, he, he can kick rocks. Like <laughs> he's, he's not. Does he have a national championship ring? He does. Did he earn it? No, he didn't. So for me, I'd rather see him actually go somewhere where if he's got a pro dream, which I know he does, go somewhere where you can throw for a bunch of yards and maybe do it against lesser competition and ensure you're not going to lose the job to a three-star quarterback who no one's ever heard of at West Virginia, right? I mean, it's you got to set yourself up for success and maybe don't demand hundreds of thousands of dollars in NIL money because at this point, ooh, you're not worth it. Um, all right, so let's move into the coaching coaching realm. Uh, it's we're fifty plus minutes into this podcast. Want to make sure that we we do this justice. So as we talk about the head coaching hires, and I've got the coaching carousel put in our notes doc. Currently, as it stands, you've got Purdue, North Texas, Stanford, and Western Michigan that are open right now. So four four jobs that are seeking new head coaches. Filled, you've got Nebraska, Charlotte, Arizona State, Wisconsin, Auburn, Georgia Tech, UAB, FAU, Texas State, South Florida, Colorado, Liberty, Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati, Tulsa, UNLV, and today, literally as of today, Louisville has hired Jeff Brom away from Purdue. So as we think about head coaches, which of those vacancies that is now closed, that has hired their head coach, which of those do you feel the most confident about going into 2023? Do you feel like is going to be the the slam dunk hire as we have data available right now going forward? For 2023, ah man, before before you put the qualifier on for 2023, I was mm-hmm. all in going to say Nebraska, but Matt Rule just loves to tear it down to the studs and yes, build up from there. So they might win the I think. Year. Yeah, 2023 could be rough for Nebraska, but I think long-term, they're in the best hands. Um, You know, FAU with Tom Herman. I I don't hate that hire, like just on a a different scale. I don't think that he was the right guy for Texas. I don't think that he ever – honestly, I don't know that he necessarily got like the fairest of shots at Texas. He's definitely performed better than other coaches that they've had recently, but – the expectations are probably just a little bit too big for him. Um, yeah, I think for 2023, uh, Luke, Luke Fickle is a really nice name as well. I'm sorry I'm taking all the top ones here, Garrett, before you answer this question. But final answer for 2023, I'll go Luke Fickle. Yeah, no, and speaking of Tom Herman, good for him for losing so much weight. He looks great. There's a whole picture of him at Texas and at FAU. They just don't look like the same person. And mm-hmm. So good for him. But um I think for me, if you're looking at just like 
Splash immediately going to play a lot better, going to get a lot of people's attention. I think you have to look at Hugh Freeze at Auburn. I think just the talent that's available to you and the ability to compete immediately. Um, uh, he's done such a good job in the past. Maybe you can question whether or not it was ethical, but he, he has done a good job at all of his past stops. And I think he's got the know-how to be able to kind of use what he has uh, to do well. They also retained key members. I think Cadillac Williams retained as well. So mm-hmm. being able to keep that with the staff, I think is a, a massive plus for just morale and team buy-in. And so, you know, I, I just, I can't see how he doesn't succeed. I know that it's the SEC West a little bit down this last season. So, you know, maybe there's some opportunities there uh, with some of these other teams trying to still figure out maybe, you know, who they are and where they are as a program. Hugh Freeze is either going to win multiple national championships at Auburn or flame out within three years. And there's not going to be any in between. Uh, that I think I believe just, that. I think you just described the Auburn football program. It is either, yeah. it is either hell or high water there. there is Gene no, Chizik is going to, well, no, uh, actually Gus Malzahn is going to, no, yep, yeah, that's pretty much the same. There's, there's no in between there. I think immediately, I think you're going to see Kenny Dillingham inject a lot of life into Arizona mm-hmm. state. Uh, he's already doing it in the transfer portal. I think he's a quarterback away from at least being competent. Now, I mean, shout out Washington. They ruined their season. So, you know, they, they, they had a puncher's chance this year. It's a, it's a fun recruiting area. It's a school that obviously a lot of players want to go to because it's a big party school. Uh, good weather. If you like the heat and a lot to do right around that area. So I think Kenny Dillingham has a chance going home where he graduated from has a chance to be really special there. Um, we haven't talked about Colorado in depth. We reacted to the hire on Sunday's episode. Do y'all have any other thoughts on that before we move over to the coordinators and our subscriber question? Not like majorly different than what we've already talked about, but I think it's a great hire for Colorado. Might as well try it. And it's certainly going to raise the profile of their school. So I'm all for a school trying to raise themselves up and do whatever it takes to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you may not like all of the drama around it. There have been some leaks and some rumors about maybe the way that uh, Jackson state was actually handling some of their finances. I, I don't know if yeah. any of that's true, so I'm not going to speculate on it here, but I, I think my biggest complaint is how he, he comes in and he, you know, he says some real things to those players in there. And everyone in the the sports media is just freaking out. Like, how could he say such a thing? I can't believe that he would go in there and talk to these players like that and say this stuff right out on the outset. He's all about himself. I'm like, yeah, you hired primetime. Of course he's all about himself. What do you think? Like Nick Saban says the same things. I just don't film it. Exactly. Right. And I'm like, this is what you think. If Nick Saban got hired to go coach at a team that just went one and 11, he's not going to say, yeah, I'm bringing some of my own guys. You guys got to hit the portal. Now, is it a wise decision to declare your son who's currently enrolled at a different school? The quarterback, probably not a good decision, but uh, that was a dumb move. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll say fast and loose for a second and pretend that this is all fair and above board. But I don't know. I, I don't think that he's being treated totally fairly right now. I get not liking the personality, but that's just a personal preference at that point. I, I do agree. I think I think you hit the nail on the head. Nick Saban is saying the exact same things. And just, so is Jimbo Fisher. So is Ryan Day. So is Dabo Sweeney. So are all of these guys. Filming it. Yeah, why mm-hmm. on earth did we have to film that? And, you know, the, the clip that went viral is him telling guys, you know, basically hit the portal. The context that's missing from that 10-second clip is 
he does say if you're not willing to work hard and grind right. to improve and earn your spot, then hit the portal, which, yeah, to your point, every coach should be saying that because mm-hmm. that's how you build a championship-winning program. Um, I do think declaring at your press conference, my son is QB1, I think that was a dumb move just objectively. Yeah, not the um, best. Because then he, ha- of course, <laughs> has to qualify. Well, he's got to earn it. Like, well, duh. Um, so... I, yeah, because yeah, then how do you convince one of these transfers to come play for you, right? Right, you're gonna yeah. have those. You're <laughs> gonna have those moments with with Prime. It just it is what it is. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I do think it's going to obviously raise the profile of Colorado football. Their social following went from fifty five thousand followers on Saturday to over a hundred and thirty thousand followers on Sunday and Monday. So guys, I think we should hire coach prime to be on this podcast. That's right. The the prime effect is, is in full swing. Um, so subscriber question that we got, uh, he asked us to predict some of the premium offensive coordinator hires. I think this is a great question because coordinators are such a vital part of what you do on a day in day out basis. They're recruiting aces. And ultimately, as, as we saw in a lot of cases, either for better or for worse, they can dictate the outcome on the field. Now, a couple of the ace offensive coordinators have been hired as head coaches. You look at Tim Beck from North Carolina State. He's now the head coach at Coastal Carolina. Hired, what, I think less than 24 hours after Jamie Chadwell left for Liberty. Kevin Wilson, offensive coordinator, Ohio State. He's now Tulsa's. Uh, Tulsa's head coach, excuse me, Kenny Dillingham, I've mentioned from Oregon to Arizona State. And then as we came on the podcast, Phil Longo was being announced from North Carolina over to Wisconsin. So that's kind of what we have known to us right now. A couple of names that are still out there. You look at Garrett Riley from TCU. He won the Broyles Award, the top offensive, or I'm sorry, the top assistant coach. A lot of speculation if he stays in the purple and white, uh, you've got uh, Jeff Grimes at Baylor, six and six season for the Bears. He's been known to come in and, and revolutionize some offenses at BYU, and and then last year at Baylor, he did a great job helping them to a Sugar Bowl victory as well. If you had to just predict, do those guys stay put and name any other offensive coordinators that you would like? I think those are two of the biggest names circulating right now. Do they stay? Do they leave? And if they do leave, where where do you think they have the best fit? I think Garrett Riley is going to be on the move personally. I, I don't know if it's going to be Texas A&M. That's definitely the name that I think a lot of Texas A&M fans want. Ohio State now also has an offensive coordinator position open, yep. and I think that would definitely be a very enticing move for him as well. Um, I think those are the top two for the Texas A&M job. Those are definitely... Uh, Grimes and Riley are definitely the two that we've heard the most about from Texas A&M. That seems to have the most smoke. I don't know. Like, that's two very contrasting styles, though. Two very different uh, approaches to offense. If I'm going to throw another kind of off-the-wall candidate into some of these high-profile jobs, Seth Luttrell was kind of surprisingly fired by North Texas. He would make a heck of an offensive coordinator, offensive analyst for a program if he wants work right now. I don't know what his buyout situation was, and I don't know if he wants to take a break from coaching. Obviously, a lot of guys do that when they're uh, let go from a head coaching job. But if he's on the market, I, I don't know that he would be my first call before Garrett Riley, but he would definitely be up there on my hot board of candidates if I was hiring an offensive coordinator. 
Yeah, just out of those two, I think Riley's probably moving. I think I'd probably bet on Grimes to stay put for now. Um, I just I don't think there's too many jobs where he would move to a definitely better situation. Um, the only situation he'd get better is probably pay at some of these bigger programs because I know that Baylor maybe is sometimes limited in their resources. Um, but but outside of that, I think I think Riley, this is his time to move. I, I don't think that based on the the talent that's coming back to TCU next year and everything else around that, I kind of think that this is his chance to really move to a bigger program. Who he picks, we'll have to wait and see. I, I I don't have a great read on that one right now. So, what do we think about Brian Hartline at Ohio State, wide receivers coach, ace recruiter? I mean, has brought in some of the most loaded wide receiver rooms in college football history. Is is that a guy that Ohio State could hire from within? Do they want to just keep him in that wide receiver role? Because I know there's a lot of interest around the country in Hartline now. Of course. Built-in advantage for the Buckeyes. That's where Brian went to school and and made a name for himself before going pro. Yeah, I think from the recruiting standpoint, he probably is going to get promoted at Ohio State. I, if I had to guess right now, that would be my best guess. Just because I think that, you know, he's so familiar with the system. There's a lot of continuity there. I don't think there's any real complaints about their offense, maybe personnel or things like that. But I don't think there's any real complaints about Ohio State's offense. And so the more you can just kind of keep things on the right track, and keep your ace recruiter involved. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's valuable enough to Ohio State to try to let him come on up and you know kind of get maybe mentored in that role a little bit before he gets primed and ready to go take a take a head coaching job somewhere else. So that's what I think makes the most sense for him. Wouldn't shock me to see him go anywhere because he's absolutely worth a lot of these programs trying to take a shot at him. Yeah, I don't know. It's I think it's really going to depend on what he wants. Ohio State is going to want to keep him on staff, and I think they value that enough to kind of give him whatever title he wants. He got the passing game coordinator title added this year, but if he's happy with that title and just kind of being known as the best recruiter in college football, sometimes that's all guys want. Sometimes that that's you know what the ambition that they have. So, yeah. Very hard to say. I think it's going to depend on what he personally wants. I bet he wants to stay at Ohio State, and they'll work that out either way. And, you know, even if he is the offensive coordinator, he might not be the play caller. So mm-hmm. really going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. I'm, I'm Another name I'll throw out here, and it's an easy way to, to work in not breaking news, but also came out today, Frank Harris returning to UTSA for another year at quarterback. So meet, meet, go Roadrunners. Uh, they're back-to-back Conference USA champions. Will Stein, UTSA quarterbacks coach, he's a name that I've heard thrown around as a possible full-time offensive coordinator at a bigger program. He really... actually got hired by Oregon today as their offensive coordinator. Well, so there you, there go. you go. Good call, Mitch. There you go. So listen, uh, in the cavalcade of news, I missed that. And uh, I think it was yeah. while we were on air. I, I'm looking okay. at uh, the 247 <laughs> sports uh, coaching carousel, and it was definitely um, a little under the radar, especially with all the other coaching news today. So, so all three of us have Twitter open during the pod? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Just just wanted to make sure. Of For sure. Not. For sure. Twitter is open. Um, yeah. So anyway, hope hope that's a good little insight into coordinators. It's tough to project, right? If they have a current job, like where someone might go. But I think those are some names to keep an eye on. Uh, and, you know, case in point, Will Stein gets hired while we're on air. So uh, I, I do I do look forward to in the offseason season 
kind of grading some of these, right? I mean, that's where we started this podcast back last offseason. We started grading coaching hires. I think we can work some of those coordinators in as well um, and, and talk a little bit more about not only their fit in the system, but how they they bring recruiting to the table, et cetera. These, these guys are so, so important to the direction of these organizations and, and a lot of times kind of go unsung uh, by by the general uh, uh, public. So anyway, yeah, more, more to come on this space uh, for sure. Um, well, we've, gosh, I guess we're coming up against what our normal time is. Any final thoughts? We can, we can go ahead and wrap here. We've got so much time. We've got other questions that we can, we can get to um, both on our own run sheet as subscriber questions as well. If you are wanting to have a question answered on air, definitely feel free that uh, you can send it in. Instagram, Twitter, uh, 3TechPod, DM it to us. We will make sure we answer it on a future episode. Any final thoughts, though, to, to wrap this one, guys? Yeah, my only thought that I really have here is there's going to be a lot of people that want to doomsday this, and, and I want to steal words from you know the, the great Aaron Rodgers. R-E-L-A-X, relax. It's all going to be just fine. Yeah. Yeah, it, the college football sky is not falling, guys. You're still going to follow it next year. All the people grandstanding about, sure. oh, this is going to be the death. I don't want to follow this anymore. Stop. You're, you're, you're going to follow it. You're going to keep tweeting about it. You're going to keep consuming. And unfortunately, you know, that's part of the machine that we've created, but yep. we love being part of the machine. So keep it, keep it going. It's going to keep going. The sun's going to come up tomorrow. We also have early signing day coming up. Another big that's thing right. that's kind of been overshadowed by the transfer portal. Yep, that's right. It really has. I feel like the the buzz around early signing day has not been as prevalent as it was last year. We'll of course cover that, the highlights of it. It's not. This isn't going to turn into a recruiting pod, um, just because that's impossible and frankly would make <laughs> us miserable. But we will cover the highlights of it and, and bring you what you need to know uh, coming next week as early signing day rolls around. For Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Uh, Leave a like, leave a comment on YouTube or on Spotify. Let us know what you enjoyed about this podcast and uh, let us know what content to keep uh, churning out for you guys. Until next time, so long, everybody. (laughs) 